Welcome to Late Night Riders. On this episode, we talked with Amy Dom. Amy began a career in the horse industry more than two decades ago after first earning a Bachelor of Arts degree in English Writing from the University of Pittsburgh and then a Bachelor of Science degree in Equine Business Management from Johnson & Wales University. After working in equine insurance for five years, both in underwriting and retail sales, she joined the U.S. Eventing Association for seven years. Her role included Director of Communications, Editor of Eventing, and project manager of the USEA's American Eventing Championships. In 2008, she switched gears back to the insurance industry as a CEO and managing partner of Broadstone Equine Insurance Agency. So if you ever wanted to know about insurance, this is such a good person to listen to. Um, She has an extensive background in horses and now an extensive um, business in insurance. So we hope you enjoy this. Welcome to Late Night Riders. I'm Gretchen, and I'm joined by my grandma, Debbie, and Amy. Hi, Amy. Hey, how are you? Good. Amy, can you tell us um, a little bit about um, how you got started with horses? Sure. Uh, So, like I think a lot of kids, I was just enamored of, (laughs) of every pony horse that I saw. My mom rode when she was a kid but she had a really serious fall when she was in her early 20s oh. so she got away from it and was terrified when I started showing a serious interest um when I was probably I don't know, eight or ten years old my aunt had horses so all my um she had her farm was to me paradise and so I kept asking and asking so finally she gave the okay so I uh started taking lessons with a local friend, actually friend of the family, and um, bought my first pony for $500 when I was 12, I guess. Sweet. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> traded her for an off-track thoroughbred, traded her wow. for an off-track thoroughbred <laughs> when I was 13, which I had no business doing. Um, he ended up being the love of my life. And um, so I did mostly sort of local stuff when I was a kid, everything. I mean, I barrel raced that, that off-track thoroughbred. I cross-country jumped him. Uh, I mean, we just did absolutely everything. Um, I learned how to jump on Appaloosa Pony mares. So if anybody wants to learn humility. um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That would teach a lot. Wow. Um, So um, so just kind of stuck with it. Wow. I originally wanted to go to college for some sort of plan to work in the equine industry. Didn't obviously knew I was not going to be a horse trainer. I was not going to be a professional rider or trainer. I did not have that talent, um, but sort of changed my mind at the last minute. So ended up going to the University of Pittsburgh um, for four years where I got my degree in English writing, and um, which was great. It was a great experience. I'm actually really glad that I did it. Um, but after I was finishing, I still just could not get it out of my head mm. that I wanted to work in the horse industry. So I ended up going to Johnson and Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island. They have an equestrian business management program. So I transferred there, got my bachelor's, took two years because they transferred up a lot of credits. Um, so spent two years there and was in heaven because I was riding every day and I was learning every day. And I was taking all of the classes in everything from horse show management to anatomy and physiology, but it was also a business program. So I was taking marketing and accounting and wow. human resources management and sort of, it was, it was the perfect sort of combination of things yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, 
while he was there, ended up doing an internship with Classic Communications. Uh, they do PR. At the time, they were doing it for the U.S. The U.S. ET, which doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, but so got my foot in the door kind of in that area. And um, my roommate got an internship at American Equine Insurance Group, which is based out of um, Chicago, Illinois. And so she let me know about them. And so next thing I know, I ended up getting into the horse insurance um, industry from a PR kind of standpoint. What a broad background. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) So from there, you did some other things and then you went back to um, insurance. Is that right? Yeah, so I was in Chicago for five years, and so that's where I learned sort of the horse insurance industry from the ground up. I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So just walked in completely blind, uh, just open to anything, really. Mm -hmm. And so I worked there for about five years, handling, initially started doing more PR and marketing to insurance agencies and agents because they were an underwriting manager, which meant that basically they acted as an insurance company. And then insurance agencies would bring the business to them for them to, to write and issue policies. They started out doing that for the first couple of years. I then they kind of had a retail division, sort of more, more like an in-house agency. I got more and more interested in that and ended up running that division for the last couple of years that I was there. But the weird thing was that we sponsored at the time, the U S combined training association, which is now the U S eventing association. Hmm. And we were a major corporate sponsor. So I got to know those guys really well. Went to every annual meeting, went to Rolex Kentucky every year. Um, mm-hmm. They came to Chicago for their, their summer board meeting. So got to know the staff and just became kind of, I'd be at Rolex selling t-shirts to people because I was like, well, if I'm here, I might as well Aww, help out. Right. So, yeah, so in the weird way that you sort of just get to know people, um, they're based out of Virginia, Leesburg, Virginia. And when I was sort of pondering the idea that I probably didn't want to live in Chicago for the rest of my life um, and maybe wanted a bit of a change. I heard that the sort of editor of their magazine had uh, given her notice. So I called the, at that time, executive director eventually became the um, CEO, called her and said, hey, I heard so-and-so's leaving. Didn't know if you were looking to replace her, what your thoughts were. And she said, oh, and um, two days later, I had a job. Wow. (laughs) What a story. (laughs) um, Yes, I moved to Virginia. And uh, so I spent five, no, seven years with the U.S. Eventing Association. Mm. And that involved, I was editor of the magazine to start. Mm. And then just, I was there at the perfect time. They started taking on new projects. Mm -hmm. They started becoming not as, well, obviously a membership association but trying to have a national uh, championship, trying to have um, serious competitions, trying to um, bring in more sponsors and things like that. So it just sort of happened to be the perfect timing for all of that. So I ended up, by the time I left, I was editor of the the magazine, director of communications, um, project manager for the American Eventing Championships, which was what had become the national championship. Um, project manager for the Gold Cup series, which is sort of like a NASCAR kind of idea, mm-hmm. and uh, handling sponsorships. Wow. So I worked a lot, well, <laughs> and needless, I was really busy. Needless to and say, and I loved it. I, 
absolutely loved it. Yeah, you know and met a lot of people. I mean, you were just moving right along in those realms and met a lot of people too. Wow, how unbelievable. Yes, it was, I was going to roller Kentucky. I mean, I remember being a kid when my cousin went to the Kentucky Horse Park and I was so jealous because I so desperately mm-hmm. wanted to go to the Kentucky Horse Park. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I'm going every year uh, for roller Kentucky. And, um, you know, met the riders and the trainers and the people and yeah. who were all incredible group of people. I yes. love adventures. They yeah. are, yeah. Um, they're fantastic. And, and my project management of the eventing championships was, which was, quite the undertaking because having a national championship in a country this large um, was always something that, that we struggled with how to do that. Um, that was the most fun I had of anything I did there. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, you had kids on ponies, you had adult amateurs on draft horses, and you just had every Mix. every breed, every age, every type of person from all over the country at one place. Um, and just watching them have that much fun and watching them be able to see Karen and David O'Connor riding or, you know, the people that they were, that were their heroes um, in the next ring over, you know, things like that. It was was a lot of fun. How exciting. Now, were you able to ride throughout this time then too, or? I did. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I did a really good job of borrowing horses. Okay, that works. um, Because I was busy with work and, and also, um, honestly, financially speaking, especially in Northern Virginia, not in an expensive place to live or to try to board a horse. So, sure. um, but I was lucky because I knew a lot of people that knew a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. um, I did a lot of half leasing of horses for quite a few years. Um, and then That's good wonderful. friends of mine had a, had a farm with some amazing animals. So I was able to, um, ride eventually long story short, I was in a car accident that pretty badly damaged my neck and um, continued to ride for a while. And my doctors kept sort of advising me that it probably wasn't the best idea um, that if I were to fall, I could. Mm-hmm. Right. You have some problems. But here you are working with all yeah, these horse people, you know. Mm-hmm. So after that, yeah. um, you stayed with them for a while and then you got back into insurance. I did. I did. So um, a friend that I worked with in Chicago at AEIG also ended up in this area through weird fate, happenstance, whatever you want to call it, and um, got it in our heads or honestly in his head um, (laughs) to try to (laughs) um, start our own agency. And uh, it's one of those things when you think back, you think, what were you thinking? but we did uh, from the ground up from scratch and uh that was quite a while ago um long story i mean lots of things happen over time but um eventually i ended up being the owner um, of the agency on my own um and i ran it for about 10 nine or 10 years and uh, just sold to marshall and sterling insurance in May of 2019. So now we're still Broadstone Equine Insurance Agency. So we're still us. We still have all the same staff. We still mm-hmm. do all the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a sort of a, a sort of corporate powerhouse behind us, which has wow. been fantastic because wow. it's given us access to some more markets and some more mm-hmm. um, right. products and things that I didn't have, you know, sort of on my own. So one of the things that really drew me to your company was seeing that you guys are very education based. You want to educate 
the horse owner, and that's why specifically I wanted you on our podcast. Um, could we talk about different, like, why do we even need insurance <laughs> for our horses? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of talk a bit about um, some different plans and things like that. Sure. So a lot, when people find out what I do, actually even horse people um, will often say, I didn't even know you could insure your horses. And um, so I think that's less now than it was when I got started so long ago. I thought, now I sound old. Um, But when I first got in the industry, it definitely wasn't something that was as well understood or even as well known to to be an option for horse owners. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I think people have a better idea that it exists but they're oftentimes still confused as as to how it works. Um, The reason you should insure your horse is because horses, as we all know, do stupid, stupid things. (laughs) And um, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you you work, no matter what steps you take, no matter what supplements you give, things just go wrong. Um, And it's, it's not inexpensive to handle those and pay the vet bills and the hospital bills and the surgery bills and, and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, myself, uh, if I had a horse today, I would not even consider not insuring it, but obviously I'm a little more paranoid than the average person because I see all the claims that come yes. through. Right. Uh, and you yeah, know. It, it definitely yeah. um, will make you stop and think, um, some of the crazies, I mean, the usual stuff that you see colic and, you know, the usual sort of injuries and, and illnesses, but some of the crazy things horses get themselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not nearly as expensive, I think, as a lot of people think that it is, depending obviously on what kind of coverage you get and how much you insure your horse for and, and things like that. Um, it's not nearly as difficult to get, I think, as a lot of people think it might be. It's our paperwork and that sort of uh, avenue. So, um, but I think it's so extremely valuable. You know, and it also comes down to, do you have $10,000 in the bank or, you know, open on a credit card that if your horse just decides to call it one evening and next thing you know, you're at the hospital and as much as they want to help, they want credit or they want some, they're not going to, to take your horse necessarily to surgery without knowing that you have the ability to handle right. mm-hmm. the ability to mm-hmm. um, And you know, that's a horrible position, I think, for anyone to be in where you're trying to make decisions for your horse. And some of, of that includes the financial portion of it. So having, mm-hmm. sometimes having the insurance, I think, is a peace of mind mm-hmm. um, more than anything. Um, and then God forbid you need it, then then it's there. So I would, um, you know, so I think I tell people, you know, some people want sort of the middle ground, they want to insure the horse not for how much it's worth because they don't want to pay the premium because obviously the more you insure for, mm-hmm. as far as the horse's value, the higher your premium is going to be um, on the mortality side, which is the life insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't necessarily insure to value. They insure for what they think is a reasonable amount to pay and God forbid the horse dies enough money to get them started with maybe a younger prospect, something with, with uh, less miles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's ways to go about sort of controlling how much you're spending, depending on what your priorities are um, financially and as a horse owner. Um, I would say about 95% of our clients get some sort of major medical or veterinary coverage um, for those sorts of expenses. A lot of people, that's the primary reason they insure their horses um, is to have that coverage, which is 
statistically a reasonable way to look at it because you are far more likely to need your major medical surgical, your veterinary sort of expenses coverage, thankfully, than you are to need a mortality policy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people come at it from that standpoint where they really want the major medical, they really want the, the veterinary coverages, um, which you cannot get on their own. You have to insure your horse for some amount of mortality in order to get um, the major medical surgical types of coverage in addition to that. Is there um, something that you might, you know, talk about that perhaps maybe people that when they do come to talk to you about insurance for their horses or whatever that they don't think about that you say a lot of people don't realize this? Is there something that you could tell the people listening about that that maybe we haven't even thought about that is an important thing? I think, you know, I, I even did, I, I blog, I try to on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you, as you had mentioned, education is important to me because I think that is one of the barriers to people um, getting their horses insured because they just think it's more complicated and more, and more difficult to do than it really is. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one, of the pe- one of the things that people don't realize is that, you know, you could have a $10,000 dressage horse Raining horse, cutting horse, roping horse, you know, um, your mortality premium, your life insurance premium for ages up to 14, 15 years old, probably going to be like 300 and $325 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hugely expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're going to add some sort of major medical or surgical or veterinary census coverage on top of that, it can be as little as a couple hundred dollars, depending on how much you want, up to, you know, depending on the limit you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not nearly, I think, I think people have it in their head that this is going to be just way too expensive for me to do. Mm -hmm. There aren't going to be payment plans available. Um, You know, the paperwork is going to be, I'm going to have to get a vet certificate every year and I'm going to have to, you know, they've made it so much easier since when I started so long ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When you had to have a vet certificate every year, you had to have original paperwork. You couldn't mm. fax anything. You couldn't wow. anything. I mean, fax. Yes. Um, yeah. But they, they made it so much more difficult to, I think back to that. I'm like, why did anyone bother to do this? I mean, it was just such a pain in the neck. Um, so now, you know, you've got a fillable PDF. You type in the stuff, you mark the boxes, you electronically sign it. Yeah. Most of the time, all we need is an application. Um, and you email it over and and that's about it. Um, as long as the horse is sound and healthy without too much of a weird health history or, um, you know, health issues, an application oftentimes, unless the horse is of, of a really extreme age or considerably higher value, mm-hmm. application is about all that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not very difficult to do. It's not that expensive. Um, I think people not to, I think people worry about what will be covered and I'm not saying that's not something to worry about because obviously not everything is covered. And that I think is where that there, there's a concern that they're just going to exclude everything. They're just going to deny everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that has not been my experience. Now, major medical surgical coverages, those sorts of, of coverages do have limitations. Um, they have deductibles. They have insurance on certain things. There are certain things that just aren't covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that depends on the company. It depends on the type of, of coverage. Um, but they're pretty upfront about that. I mean, the, the coverage wording is not some difficult to read, legally okay. confusing okay. scenario. I mean, they lay out, these things are excluded. These things have a, a co-insurance of this amount. 
Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty easy to understand if you, you know, read it. Obviously, as agents, it's our job to explain questions you might have if you're looking to insure your horse. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not the insurance, it's truly, it's not the insurance company's intention to not cover what should be covered. Mm -hmm. um, and it's never been my experience that they do, I think what some of us have experienced maybe with health insurance, with our human health insurance, mm -hmm. which is deny, deny, deny until you fight hard enough to get something covered. Yes, very true. Um, I would not work in an industry and I would not, I just would not want to be involved in something where I had clients calling me every day saying, oh my God, they're not covering this. They won't take this information. I don't understand what's happening. Um, that's just not, thankfully, been my experience. And I've worked with quite a number of insurance companies along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, I've been really pleased with, with that sort of scenario. We seldom, thankfully, have people calling um, that are having issues along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, one of the misconceptions is they're just not going to cover it. There's no point in me getting this coverage because, you know, my horse is going to call it and they're going to say no. Um, so if that, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. It does. So for someone, say that, um, I, I know these are just, you know, elementary questions, but someone that's traveling and showing all the time, they've got their horse on the road with their trailer, that type of thing. Do you try to guide them and direct them in a certain direction for that to try to help them for coverage? Because I, I can think of a lot of different things that could happen, being on the road, going to the show, you know, um, is there something kind of that covers that whole area or do you start with like you know we'll insure your horse we'll do this and that you know how does that work then um as far as coverage on the horses themselves or other coverages that they well, might want to get what would you what would you start with with them if they say that they're actually showing do you start with just coverage on the horse and then coverage on you know at i mean is it how how encompassing is the coverage then that for somebody that would be out trailing a lot with their horse should they get you know with that insurance coverage then so if I, we get a lot of quotes through our, um, our website, lots of quotes through our website. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a mechanism that you go through and put the information as far as your horse's breed and age, sex, use, level, um, when you purchased it, what your purchase price was, how much you want to see about insuring for, mm -hmm. um, coverages you're interested in. Um, so whether it's through the website or over the phone, those are the questions that we're going to ask okay. to start a conversation which is, okay, so what does your horse do? Yeah. Um, and what are you um, what are you most interested in as far as, as coverage? The mortality policy is your base policy. So that's okay. your life insurance policy. Okay. Um, it typically also includes coverage for theft. So if the horse was stolen and not recovered, you would have um, that as part of the mortality policy. Hmm. And most mortality policies now include some amount of what they call typically free emergency colic surgery coverage. Yeah. Um, depends on the company how much it is. Um, it can be based on a percentage of value. It can be a flat amount regardless. Um, typically, it can be anywhere from $3,000 to $5,000, just a freebie. It just is automatically included as part of the policy, providing the horse doesn't have a colic history. Yeah. Um, so that's your base mortality life insurance policy. Okay. And the rates are, are based on the horse's age, breed, sex, and okay. job, typically. Okay. Um, so if you've got a dressage horse, most companies, you know, if your age is two to 14 or 15, the rates are somewhere around 3% of the insured value. Okay. So if you had a $10,000 dressage horse, you're looking at about $300 in mortality premium. I see. Um, and then mortality premiums just are purely based on a percentage. So the more you insure your horse for, 
higher your mortality premium mm -hmm. will be. Mm -hmm. um, so that's your base policy. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you can add the major medical surgical or the veterinary services. Or if you just wanted surgical only because you only are concerned about colic surgery or something catastrophic of, of that nature. Um, those are endorsements that get added to the mortality policy. Okay. And those vary very much from company to company. Okay. The limits available typically run anywhere from $5,000 to $15,000. And by limit, I mean the maximum they're going to pay out during the policy period. Okay. So um, some people are, I would say averagely, most people go for the 7500 to $10,000 limit um, because you have that free emergency college surgery coverage typically, as long as your horse doesn't have a, a college history. Mm -hmm. So you have that kind of in the background. So I think most people are, from a high dollar standpoint of, oh, what's the worst case scenario mm -hmm. that I'm going to have veterinary bills for? Mm -hmm. College surgery is, I think, the thing that sort of perks up in everybody's head. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people will think, okay, $7,500, $10,000 in the major med kind of area. I'll have that, plus I'll have that emergency college surgery coverage. The two can combine, God forbid, as a college surgery. Um, that tends to be where we see most of our people, our clients, um, choose limits for that kind of coverage. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an endorsement that gets added on. Um, you pay an additional premium. It really varies from company to company how much that is and what kind of coinsurance there might be, what kind of deductible there will be, um, how they cover uh, things like a lot of times where you'll see a lot of differences between companies is how they handle diagnostic related expenses. Okay. Uh, that's something in consideration. Um, the wonderful thing about veterinary medicine these days is the availability of doing things like bone scans and MRIs. Yes. I mean, things like that weren't even an option not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And they are now, and they're so much more available, and they can be really valuable in diagnosing, especially lamenesses, which mm -hmm. from a show, like you mentioned, a show horse. Yes, yeah. Lameness is know, a big That's bad. where you end up with a lot of people because you've got a lame horse, and you need to find out what's wrong, and you don't that's want right. to wait you know, three months to see if it works itself out. So you want to aggressively pursue these sorts of diagnostic options. Uh, it's great that they're available, but they are not inexpensive. Right. Um, yeah. So most companies have some sort of um, limitation, either of a percentage or a coinsurance or a dollar limit on diagnostic coverage. But the nice thing is too, that some companies will give you the option of paying an additional premium to not have that dollar limit or that, or that coinsurance percentage. Mm -hmm. on those sorts of expenses. So um, the companies kind of try to give you a little bit, little ways, if you want to pay an additional $200 for the year, you won't have your 30% coinsurance on your diagnostic, mm -hmm. you'll pay it 100%. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things that are interesting to think about if you're looking to get that sort of coverage. Um, yeah. I think for people with backyard show horses, you know, they're like, no, that's okay. I'm probably not going to do an MRI. So I'm not too concerned about having to pay 30% out of pocket for diagnostic expenses. Right. But for people with active show horses and competition horses, yeah. mm -hmm. they're thinking to the back of their head, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, that, that may be worth the extra 150 or $200 mm -hmm. to, um, to pay that because if I need that, that bone scan or I need that MRI, right. um, you know, it would be worthwhile. So again, these, we try to give people the information so they can make an educated decision mm -hmm based on what they're looking for. Because right. we enter horses from $500 off the track or adopted horses to hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, show horses. Mm -hmm. So uh, everybody's got a little bit of a different um, mm -hmm. sort of 
way they approach on what they think is best for them and, and best for their horse and best for their uh, their checkbook as well, I suppose. Well, and I was surprised, too, when you were talking about premiums. I know you were talking about some of the kind of like discolic coverage or this type of thing, but I, when you are saying that, I thought it was much more. And I know so many people who do have, like, say, imported horses that come in and then a lameness issue or breeding, you know, facilities that have a problem with, you know, something happened during that or, um, I mean, the it's the amount of different things I'm sure you hear is just varied as it can be, you know, but I'm just thinking of all these different things where it would be so important to know about that and know what your premiums are and understand. And I think it's so good because when you talk, um, I can understand what you're saying. And a lot of times that's the hard part for people. I think they're just maybe intimidated too to talk to somebody about it because they feel like maybe I won't understand everything, but um, you know, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think too, one of the things it's hard for people to, to think about bad things happening to their horses. I know. It is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that genuinely is the reason that um, some people avoid the subject entirely, you know, avoid um, sure. really investigating or, or talking about it or going down that road because when you start doing that, you do start having to take into consideration um, all the things that can go wrong, and it's not an enjoyable subject. No, um, I know. I know. And we go through that here, too, because we hear so many different things that happen, talking mm -hmm. to so many different people. I mean, even from the aspect of if you're boarding your horse, something happens, a gate is left open, your horse runs out. You know what I mean? Things people never expected to have happen. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of... You ever tried to jump the fence or jump the yes, gate? Yes, right. Well, and you've been right. an expert witness um, mm -hmm. where, as far as fencing mm -hmm. goes, um, for some court cases. Yes, it's amazing what you can run into at times, and it's sad, you know, that's why it is so good to know what your options are with the insurance. I agree completely, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not as it's not as complicated as you might think, and, and it's great to have people who will answer the phone mm -hmm. and go over that with you, and I think not mm -hmm. to, you know, toot our horn, but I'm kind of here to do that too, I suppose, um, but that's really one of the things that we we concentrate on as an agency is we want someone to answer the phone. We want yes. you, if you've got questions, you call. Someone will help you. Someone will walk you through it and be able to give you an explanation of, okay, so if you want this sort of coverage, this is what you'd be looking at. Okay, you want to pay an additional premium, you can try this. And just to give you options, sometimes that can be overwhelming. Sometimes too many options can sort of make your head start to spin. Mm -hmm. um, but having somebody that can walk you through the different mm -hmm. sort of pros and cons, because people will often say, well, what do you recommend? I recommend whatever you think is going to work best for you, and I'll give you the information, mm -hmm. and then you can figure out, okay, how much do I want to spend? Do I need a payment plan? You know, is this, sure. am I concerned about going to dance, or am I most about catastrophic things like colic surgery? Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. how long do I expect to have this horse? Do I want to insure it to value? Because God forbid something happens, I want $50,000 so that I can go out and get a horse that can get take me right to this place where I am now and keep going, or is $15,000 fine because then I can find a prospect and I'll just start, I'll just start from scratch again. Um, you know, those are all things that we can't necessarily answer for you, but we can talk to you about so that um, it gives you something to think about and, and sort of walk you through the process of making those sorts of no, because you're specialized and you do the equine insurance, do you find that people come from you or t to find you from distances because it's not your normal just 
insurance company that you go to. So I'm sure people come to you from all over or, or you know, how does that work for you as well as a company then? Yes, that is true. We we have clients in 48 states, so everywhere but Hawaii and yeah. Alaska. Um, we do specialize, this is all that we do. Um, we also, in addition to this, do liability coverage as well and farm. Okay. So um, we, we ensure riding instructors, horse um, boarding facilities, um, we can ensure horse shows, um, those sorts of things, as well as equestrian facilities. Okay. So, but it's all equine, um, equine related. And uh, so, yes, we have clients from literally everywhere. Um, obviously, the horsier the area, the more clients we yes. have, um, you know, from those areas. Um, but we do also do liability insurance, which is something I probably should mention. I think that a lot of people don't, um, going back to the, something maybe people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned about gates being left open and horses getting loose. Things like that. Um, There is what's called a private horse owner's liability coverage um, with the idea that if you're sued by a third party for bodily injury or property damage caused by your horse, Mm -hmm. then it's the type of coverage that would help respond to defend you and pay claims made against you um, that are covered under that policy. Mm -hmm. Also, not very expensive. Um, You can get typically a million dollar policy, depending on how many horses you have, for potentially something like. $275 $275 for the year mm. um, with a million dollars worth of coverage. So um, now sometimes homeowner's policies or farm owner's policies might cover that. Um, so it's always a good uh, good idea if you have a, some sort of policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always check with your agent to ask, is, is this sort of thing covered? Mm-hmm. Um, it may be. It also may only be on premises. Um, so you really want to put your agent through the ringer and say, okay, I got a horror show. Or I trailer out to go trail ride, or right. you know, right. give them the scenarios because they may just say, "You all, yeah, it's covered." Thinking, "Well, it's covered." You know, mm-hmm. if your horse is on your property, mm-hmm. um, but what if you take the horse off it the is. property? What yeah. if the horse is, yeah, with a trainer being boarded somewhere? You know, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is definitely a coverage worth considering because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, accidents do happen. Horses mm-hmm. jump out. You know, mm-hmm. people accidentally leave gates open. Um, you know, you could be at a horse show and your horse is just tied to the trailer hanging out and you're tacking up and, you know, somebody walks by right. and he's lost at a fly and next thing you know, you've got, you know, he hit their yes. vehicle or he hit them or, you know, yes. it's, there's this, I think it's I know. I've heard of things I know from horse fairs to horse shows to people who had their horse boarded where something has happened, the horse got out or the horse got hurt there. I mean the the list is endless of things that can happen, but it's things that we as I was I, I feel, you know, as horse owners, we're responsible. So it's good to know these things because it ultimately comes back to us. Like, you know, now what are we going to do? And that's the biggest, hardest question when something happens. That's where it just, you know, your heart sinks and drops in your chest, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can take into consideration every possibility. I'm one of those really paranoid people. I'm an insurance, so probably a good fit for me. Um, but you can do you can do everything right. You can do, you know, all of it textbook and stuff still goes wrong. Yes. And horses are horses, and right. um, you can't predict everything that might actually transpire. And so having that sort of coverage is definitely, I think, um, worthwhile. And like I said, not nearly as expensive, I think, as people. Mm-hmm. I don't think people even realize it exists, actually, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's not something that you hear that much about. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely worth looking into for sure. Yeah. 
Well, awesome. Um, I feel like this has been super educational and mm. great things to know. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll enter our next segment, Canter Banter. This podcast is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing and Stalls, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866-653-8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. And we're back <laughs> on this segment. Um, Amy is going to share a spooky story. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this is not a story that everyone knows about me, so if any of my uh, friends are watching, uh, they may learn something. So when I was in eighth grade, so about 14, 13, 14 years old, um, we had to take a class that at the time I think was called Speak, but it was basically like a public speaking class. Mm -hmm. um, it was a required class for every eighth grader in my school district. So uh, I had a horse. I was a horse lover. I did not come from an area where horses, it was not a very horsey area. So it wasn't, um, in fact, I think that honestly, I was considered a little strange um, because of my sort of horse obsession. <laughs> um, so I think in my mind, I was like, good, I'll have a chance because we had to do a, a how-to, like a, a demonstration type of speech. So I, I think in my head, I, I was thinking this would be a great opportunity because everybody always wondered about my, um, horse thing and why I liked it so much and what I did. So I get it in my head that I'm going to do a demonstration with my horse at school. <laughs> we had a track a, a, for track and field type of track um, and it had an infield and it was kind of in a hollow kind of thing. People sat around the outside of it and track was in the middle. So my the woman that, that owned the barn where I kept my horse um, trailered the horse in for the day that afternoon, I remember telling the teacher that when the kids came out, just to try to keep them relatively low key because there were something about 25 kids sort of walking outside. Mm -hmm. And long story short, um, she was, she had gotten on, he was a bit crazy. This was my off the track thoroughbred, by the way. Um, and <laughs> he, um, he was very interested about what was going on. So she didn't even let me get on. She's like, let me, let me get on. So she did. She'd gotten off. Um, she was holding him. Next thing you know, the kids come down over the hillside. Oh. And there, you can imagine 14-year-olds very excited not to be in class. It's nice outside. They're talking. Oh, they're yeah. yelling. They're whatever. He took one look at them and took off. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. She had, there was no chance she was going oh. to keep that horse. I mean, oh, wow. he was gone. Oh. So, interestingly, what he did first was he did a lap around the track. Oh no! <laughs> I know. Um, so I don't know if in his head this was victory, victory, lap, lap. Yeah. track days. Oh. So he did a lap, and then he leaves. Oh no! And uh, we live in a pretty, pretty small town, and um, thank God. But there are roads. I mean, there's there's a highway not too far away, and and there's all the little avenues and streets oh, and houses, and it's very residential. And he's going up. He's making his way in loops around the neighborhood. Oh, no. And he's running through people's yards. Oh, my gosh. And um, my parents both grew up in this area and, you know, lots of friends still live there. They know all the local police. Everybody knows everybody kind of idea. And we heard later that the police were getting calls that, oh, no. I swear I'm not drunk, <laughs> a horse is back to my friend's house. 
Oh my goodness. So not only did you show your horse the or your the school, the horse, the whole neighborhood got to see your horse in action then. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh yeah. He on the front page of the newspaper. Oh my goodness. Well did he finally oh, yes. come so back no. or yeah. All of it. We had photos, we had the whole the whole thing. So he made several loops around. Uh, eventually he came back on his own. It was funny because Jan, the woman, um, my, my trainer, who was like a second mom to me, she said, you know, he'll come back. He just, he'll, <laughs> and he did. So go around a couple of times and he's got nowhere else to go. We're all he knows. Like he will come back. Oh he did. He literally was like, I'm done now. Thank you. I, oh I had my, my fun for the day. So, um, so he did come back on his own. Thank gosh. Didn't hurt anyone or himself. Yes. Um, yes. Got back in the trailer. Um, <laughs> but yes, I made the front page of the paper. Um, it, like, off of the fold front page. Like, pictures. Like, oh we gosh. were. Like the, ta- talk of the town. Wow. Wow. That is quite the story. I think I would have been, I don't know what I would have done. I think I would have been pretty frantic at that point. But it was a good story. He made the front page. <laughs> oh, my. It was terrifying, and he, uh, he was, he was an interesting guy, but, um, and the best part was now getting back on the trailer, she's taking him back to, you know, back to the the barn, and I remember somebody, my teacher, some other teacher, I don't know, saying to me, if you want to leave, you can leave, (laughs) and I said, nope. I'll go back. So I, I had to walk into, at this point, the next period in class, I think, oh or class, two periods later, who knows. Um, and I had to walk back into school. Oh, after my. Everyone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I bet everybody knew you after that, right? Like, there wasn't anybody that didn't know yes, you. Yes, they did. Yeah. Right. They certainly did now. And I don't think this is any improving of people's opinion of my idea of the whole horse thing. I do not think that <laughs> it had quite the <laughs> I was spoken to her words. That's so funny. It probably made a lasting impression, I'm sure. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, it, it does come up occasionally in uh, in certain groups. <laughs> well, Amy, Shoot. thank you so much for coming and podcasting with us. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast and encourage you to share with all your equestrian family and friends. You can tune in to Late Night Riders podcast show every Friday night. Each episode will be uploaded exclusively on YouTube, where you can subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with all of our latest shows. Do you have a topic you'd like us to discuss? We want to hear from you. You may email us at podcast at or feel free to leave a comment below. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Amy.